0: The Word of God, Uh, and the title of this message is The Last Hour, Truth and Deception. Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would uh, have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest, that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. i have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is, the, who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore, let that abide in you which you have heard from the beginning, If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He has promised us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who tried to, 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 uh, to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in Him." Verse 28, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. And if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this place and for this church and for this congregation, for these souls who come here to hear their preaching on a Sunday night after they've already heard it Sunday morning. It shows uh, devotion and steadfastness to come and, and miss a Sunday afternoon nap, probably, or dinner with some people just to come and get fed by the Word of God. So, Father, I pray that you would bless the, the hearts of the hearers, bless their souls, Father. And I, and I pray tonight that if there's a spirit of the Antichrist in this place, you might kick him out, God. And would you fill him with your Holy Spirit? Would you draw that person to you tonight, God? Would you make yourself known and, and, and show those in here tonight that are struggling um, in their identity? Um, That that they can choose life today and be saved. So, Father, we pray that we would glorify you, solideo gloria. And Father, that that you would work through me tonight as I preach. It's in Christ's name, Amen. So, like I said, uh, this sermon is over eleven verses, and most of uh, you know the most that we've covered so far here in First John. But due to the theme, I really felt that um, it was helpful to cover them all tonight. So, just hang in there with me as we do this flyover. So as we come to this last section of Scripture in chapter 2, we discover this eschatological theme. So as I taught you guys last week, that word really just means um, the end times. Think of it like that. Anything you might read in uh, Daniel chapter 9 or 2 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, uh, the book of Revelation. Things like that. They they have an eschatological nature. Uh, So we discover John speaking of the last days that we live in. We find two more tests of assurance here in these, uh, in these verses that we're going to read. And we find that two spirits are at work in these last hours. So I've got to ask the question, what are the tests? Who are the spirits at work? When is the last hour? Where do we stand as Christians in all of this? How will we escape the judgment to come? Important questions we need to ask ourselves. What's going on here? So this brings me to my very first point, the last hour and the Antichrist. Look at verse 18 with me. Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, that the Antichrist is coming. So I have a sub-point that is called the title, the last hour. And beginning here in verse 18, John again uses the phrase, Little children. So it's kind of when I use something to enhance my speech and I try to grab your attention. By saying little children, it's this form of endearment that calls these genuine believers to pay attention because John's speaking directly to them. So if there was an unbeliever or a false teacher that was reading this letter, he would understand and know, hey, that's probably not me. Or maybe he's deceiving himself. Um, But when he says little children, he's saying, my little flock, pay attention here. And what does he say? He says that it's the last hour. And so is John saying that the end has already come? Is he saying that it's right there in his day? Is he saying that the time's up, that Jesus has come, we've missed the rapture? Absolutely not. That's not what he's saying. And, and how do I know that? How do I know that? Because the Antichrist hasn't come yet. The Antichrist has not come yet. So the term last days, it simply means the period of time between the first and the second coming of Christ. So every Christian from day one born after Christ came, born again after Christ came, to today and and on until Jesus Christ comes back again is living in the last days. So it's a scope of about 2,000 years, right Darrell? About 2,000 years or something, some change. Uh, so the last days began in john's time at the coming of christ and it continues up until the final dispensation or administration of, of god which is the millennial kingdom of christ on earth that's the final act of of god before he ushers in the new heaven and the new earth is that millennial kingdom it's his last dispensation so therefore every christian has lived or is living in the last days the last days will include the increase of apostasy in the church. So in other words, there's going to be a great falling away of the visible church. And I'll talk about this a little bit more later, but there's a visible church and there's an invisible church. Okay, there's the church of Christ, the bride, the bride of Christ, those that are truly saved. If the rapture happened, now we'd be gone. You wouldn't see us. Then there's the visible church, those of you that would be still sitting in the pews. In the crowd this size, I imagine there would be a few. So there's going to be a great following, uh, falling away. These false believers will chase after a doctrine that tickles their ears and tells them what they want to hear. They'll deny the Trinity. They deny that Jesus has come in the flesh. They'll deny that Jesus is even returning. It's the whole scope of, of these beginning stages of Gnosticism that we've read about in 1 John already, right? Uh, these false believers, they're believing these same things. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 real quick. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with the hot iron, unable to bleed, unable to feel, unable to tell the truth. So the last days... Uh, will also include events such as the rapture, the great tribulation of seven years. The last days will include the judgment of the seals, trumpets, and bowls. The last days will also include the man of lawlessness, the Son of Perdition, the abomination of desolation, or otherwise known as the Antichrist. Those are all names of him spelled out elsewhere in the Bible. John's the only one that uses the name Antichrist. Daniel uses the abomination of desolation. Um, Matthew and it recounts Jesus saying the same, referring back to Daniel. And um, and Paul calls him the man of lawlessness. My sex or my, my second subpoint is the program of the Antichrist what does he do what's he here for so we look at verse 18 again as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming so who is the Antichrist and what is his mission here on earth you know how many people have probably tried to point out the Antichrist throughout the years and say that's who it's going to be you know for many many years people thought it was Donald Trump well you missed the boat on that one I bet right well the Antichrist is the man who will come and be the embodiment of all sin and evil Satan will empower the Antichrist to bring about his scheming here on earth during the days of the Great Tribulation period. The Antichrist will be empowered by Satan. However, he's still not in control, right? Who is in control? Whose vessel is he? You know what I mean? Whose tool is he? He's just another tool in God's tool belt. Amen? All his mission is allowed and it's limited by God. Look at Revelation chapter 13 verses 1 through 8 with me. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority, the dragon being the devil. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. A fake Christ, right? And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth, speaking great things, blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for forty-two months. Then he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and overcome them. And authority was given to him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of, of the Lamb slain from the foundations of the world. Amen and amen. Look at that. It was granted to him. It was, he was given authority. He was given a mouth. God did all that; He allowed Him to do those things—to deceive the nations, to bring about His perfect will. There's no new news to the audience of John here, because look at what He says: as you have all, as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. You've already heard these things. Look at uh, and check out what the Apostle Paul actually wrote in Second Thessalonians two five through six. Do, not, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time, talking about the Antichrist, talking about um, eschatology there at the end times. So I want you guys to know this, that the word anti here in this case with the word Antichrist, cause, and I'll get there in a minute, but you'll see that there's Antichrist capital A in your text in verse 18. And then there's, capital, capital, or there's uh, Antichrist lowercase a, Antichrists. So there's a difference there. So the the word anti in this text, in this place, in verse 18, it means in the place of. So this Antichrist is the counterfeit of Christ coming in the place of him to deceive the nations and to bring about lawlessness. Now remember, Christ was the perfect example of righteousness, never once breaking a law, right? The Antichrist, on the other hand, will be the opposite of Christ and bring only greater death and destruction into the world. A total opposite. He's a counterfeit. The program of the Antichrist is deception, it's blasphemy, it's murder, it's war. In the days of the tribulation period, after the rapture of the true church, the Antichrist will rise. He will slay the two witnesses of God, lay their bodies out on the streets of Jerusalem for all the world to see. The Antichrist will demand that he alone be worshipped in the rebuilt temple of the Jews, breaking the very covenant that he made with the Jews for the old religious system of worship to be instituted. Like they used to do back in the day it, it, uh, in the Old Testament. The Antichrist will set up his own image three and a half years into the tribulation period and demand to be worshipped. And those of you that are still here, that's how you'll know. If you haven't figured it out that the world's getting worse already. But you'll know for sure that you're in the tribulation period when you see that image set up in the temple. Well, Let's look at Daniel chapter 9 uh, verse 27 and then eleven, thirty-six through 37. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many uh, many for one week. But in the middle of that week, he shall bring an end to the sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate, even until the uh, consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. Let's go to the next slide. Daniel 11. then the king shall do according to his own will, he shall exalt and magnify himself above every God, shall speak blasphemies against the God of gods and shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished for what has been determined shall be done. He shall regard, regard neither the God of his fathers nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall exalt himself above them all. These are all big picture uh, talking about the Antichrist Matthew chapter 24 verse 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken, so the antichrist spoken, or uh, the image of the antichrist spoken of by Daniel the prophet, the verses we just read—that's Jesus uh, affirming that, uh, standing in the holy place. Whoever reads, let him understand. That's how you know you're there. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse three through four. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, the apostasy. And the man of sin is revealed, the Antichrist, the son of perdition, who who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Demanding this praise, this worship, this uh, glory. So 2 Thessalonians chapter, I read that one, Revelations 13.5. And he was given a mouth speaking right things and blasphemies and was given authority to continue for 42 months. How many years is 42 months? Three and a half. How, how many years is the tribulation period going to be? Seven. So that's halfway through, right? Bing. That's, all, that's the only reign he gets for 42 months. So he'll build an army by deception to fight against the saints of God, martyring many Christians who will be converted during the tribulation period. He will control the commerce, deceiving many to receive even the Mark six six six. So however, the reign of the Antichrist is rather short, right? 42 months, three and a half years, not even the full term of a presidency. And again, I must say that God is still in control. And even as this man of lawlessness deceives and blasphemies, God is still in control. For God has limited the days of his reign to 42 months and no more. It ends bad for the Antichrist and his lieutenant the false prophet. It ends bad for the devil and all his demons. It ends bad for those who receive the mark six 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 and it ends bad for all those over the ages who have refused to repent and believe in the Son of God. amen, amen. Second Thessalonians chapter two verse seven through twelve. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work only he who only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed. He who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. What's he talking about? Holy the Holy Spirit. Amen. Living in who? Us. The temples of God. What's this? What's this talk about? The rapture. Rapturing us up. Getting us out of the way. The lawlessness will then be revealed. Whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth. Just one word of his voice will consume the Antichrist and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. God will send them a delusion. Revelation nineteen Then I saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and those who sit on them, and all and the flesh of all people free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gather together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive in the lake of burning fire with brimstone and the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him, Jesus, who sat on the horse and all the birds were filled with their flesh. It don't end well for these people, does it? It don't end well for the antichrist, the false prophet, the unbelieving unbelieving, uh, human being. It does not end well, does it? This brings me to my second point, the last hour, many antichrists. Verse 18, even now, 18b, even now many antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. So the true antichrist has yet to be revealed. and, and, And as we just saw from 2 Thessalonians, the restraint of the Spirit of God is still on this world holding back total lawlessness. So this does not mean, however, that the spirit of the Antichrist was not in the world from John's time uh, or even in today. For since the fall of Satan and his angels, the spirit of the Antichrist has plagued this world. This is what John's applying in verse 18 by saying, even now many Antichrists have come. The word anti, as I said earlier, can also mean against. It doesn't have to always mean in the place of, such as capital A, Antichrist. When we see it right here, lowercase a, Antichrist, it means against. So anything that is against Jesus Christ, anything that would profane or blaspheme blaspheme his name is against Jesus Christ and is the spirit of Antichrist. So let's look at 2 Timothy 4, uh, 1 through 2. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who would judge the living and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom, preach the word. That's not the right word. Right verse. Yep, I got the I got the wrong one up there, but I, that's still a great word, a great verse. You know, Matt Milligan actually gave me that verse one time when I was uh, going to preach, and he said, "Yeah, that's the one. You need to preach the word, Convince, rebuke, exhort, long-suffering, teaching." I'll move on. Somebody might check First Timothy chapter four for me and see if I got that right, and see if that has anything to do with it. When you do, just raise your hand, you can read it. So again, the word anti can mean in the place of who is the Antichrist, characterized by the capital A, and can also mean against who, again, is the spirit of Antichrist. So the spirit of the Antichrist is characterized here in the following verses. Look at verse 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest, that none of them were of us. So the spirit of the Antichrist separates from the truth. The spirit of the Antichrist cannot... Go ahead, Matt. What do you got? Was it 1 Timothy? Yeah, 1 2. yeah go ahead. From the faith. Was to that was it. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. So the Spirit of the Antichrist is in every person who departs from the teaching of a true Bible-believing church. Okay, Now I'm not saying that there might be some secondary issues that might cause you to move from a... Baptist church to a Presbyterian church maybe because of some mode of baptism for babies or something. I'm not saying anything about the secondary issues. But what I am saying is when you depart from a true Bible-believing church to go somewhere else that preaches a false doctrine, they went out of us because they were not of us. They went out from among us because they were not of us. So they cannot stand the proclamation of thus says the Lord. They cannot stand somebody calling them to repent every week. They cannot stand the true gospel of Jesus Christ being proclaimed. They can't get past that it's grace by faith that we're saved through His Son Jesus Christ. They can't get past that. And anything that goes against that, anybody that says they can work their way to heaven, is antichrist in the Spirit. The spirit of the Antichrist is in every person who leaves the church to go and start a cult. This is much like Jim Jones in the People's Temple. The spirit of the Antichrist is in everyone who comes to fellowship with the body of Christ for a time, yet after a while fizzles away to never return. The spirit of the Antichrist also denies Christ. Look at verse 22 with me. I know we jumped a few, but that's how we're going to have to do this back and forth here. Uh, Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He's Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. So the spirit of Antichrist is anyone who denies Christ. So if anyone denies that the Son of God has come in the flesh, they are Antichrist. They do not have the Father either. So this brings to mind uh, the Jews of the Old Testament. The Jews, the Pharisees, the Sadducees who denied denied, um, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Anybody who denies Christ in His deity, back to to First uh, uh, John chapter one, the very first four verses, talking about the true Christ. Anybody who denies that in uh, in His deity or in His incarnation, they are Antichrist. They remind me of the Gnostics that we just talked about here and uh, the false teachers here in 1 John. You know, these people, my brothers and sisters, act in the spirit of antichrist. First John chapter four, verse three. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now already in the world. So those who deny the Son coming in the flesh, being born of a virgin, resurrecting from the dead, those who deny his return, they're Antichrists. They're against Christ. This must bring to our minds the other cults and religions of the world. The Jehovah's Witnesses who call Christ a created being, they're antichrists. The spirit and the list could go on and on, but we're not going to cover all that tonight because we've got a great ways to go. But the spirit of the antichrist also has a deceiving nature. Look at verse 26. These things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. What did the devil come to do? Kill, 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 and That's it. He's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. He is the master of deception and lies, ain't he? Yes, he is. And so is his spirit. So is the spirit of the Antichrist. So for this point, all we must do is look at what we've already covered in the book of 1 John, like I've talked about. These false teachers, the beginning stages of Gnosticism, were deceiving in nature. Their mission in the church was not the great commission. However, it was the great deception. They only seek to pull those away from the true church and join them in their blatant heresy. They believe they receive special revelation from God that is not written in the pages of Scripture, Mormonism. They then proclaim, listen to what God has told me. Now follow me, adhere to my teachings, and I will show you the truth. They're deceiving. Come, let me get you aside over here and let me fill you with my false doctrine. I want you to know this, that at the time that John wrote this letter at this point in church history... The true church followed the apostles' teaching. They followed the disciples' teaching. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, um, um, James, Peter—all these people—they followed their teaching. This was the closest that anyone could ever get to the truth. Acts two forty-two: being greatly disturbed that uh, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection. From the dead, I am getting these verses off, ain't I? That's not it. But in that, in Acts chapter two, uh, it talks about the true true church that they followed in the apostles' teaching. They broke bread from house to house. They worshipped together. So anyone who proclaimed that they had a better way that differed from the writings or teachings of the apostles was dead wrong and an antichrist. So today, I want you to know that there's the visible church and then there's the invisible church, as I spoke of earlier. The visible church. Uh, there are the saved and lost church members and christians uh, there are the wheat in the tares in this visible church there's the good fish in the bad fish there's the judases among the eleven there's the antichrist and the followers of christ and in the invisible church there are only those who are indwelled by the spirit there are only those who are saved by grace through faith There is no Antichrist, only genuine believers, making up the bride of Christ. And his bride is pure and wrapped in white robes. There is no sin in him, in God's eyes. So this brings us to our next point in this sermon. Point number three, the last hour, the Holy Spirit. This is the second spirit that's at work here in the world today, amen? So we've seen the power and the working of the spirit of the Antichrist in these last days, but what about the other spirit at work in these last days? If there's a spirit of antichrist, isn't there a spirit of pro-Christ? Isn't there a spirit that works with Christ and for Christ? In Baptist circles, it almost seems that we've lost the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it seems like we never want to talk about him, like we're scared to talk about the Spirit or something. Well, we're not. We're spirit-filled and we're glorifying the Lord, okay? So the one who works in us to believe, the one who convicts, the one who prays for us when we don't know what to pray... The one who empowers us to preach, teach, and exercise any other gift he has given to us. The one who gives understanding. The one who draws us into fellowship. And the one who gives us the perfect words at the perfect moment. That is the Holy Spirit of God. That's who fills us in this Baptist church at Waymaker Baptist. That's the Holy Spirit of God that directs us and leads us and guides us. Let's look at the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer now. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is fellowship. Look back again. So it's telescopic kind of. This is unfolding while this is unfolding while that's unfolding. It's not linear, guys, okay? So look back at verse 19 with me, okay? You'll get your, your wrist muscles in you've got to turn your pages. So <clears throat> verse 19. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. And so this brings to mind a crucial doctrine and our sixth test here in First John. The perseverance of the saints. And this simply means that those who are truly saved will continue until the end. There is no comfort in those who claim Christ at a young age and live like the devil until they die. So all of you that are holding on to a four-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-old salvation testimony, and you live like the devil for the rest of your life until you're 21, were you ever really saved? No. Test me. I don't care. It's true. That's what the Word of God says. You'll know them by their fruits. Amen. Amen. I know Mike Gunner can stand up and testify right now. Amen. Let's go. There's no comfort in those who claim Christ at a young age and live like the devil until they die. The perseverance of the saint is simple it is God preserving and persevering us, true believers, until Jesus returns or we die. I mean, look at the text in verse 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if, they had been with, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest, that none of them were of us. How about Philippians chapter 1 verse 6? Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 12. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. 1 Peter 1, 3-5 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Amen. 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 He saved us. We didn't save ourselves. Of course we're going to persevere to the end. He don't lose none that are His. The ministry of the Holy Spirit brings the desire for belonging and fellowship in the life of the believer. Amen. I have a hard time with a lot of people that I run to in the, in the city of Omaha that I say, Hey, do you believe in Jesus Christ? And they say, Yes. And I say, Where do you go to church at? And they say, Oh, that don't make me not a Christian, no." And, they say, and I say, Where do you go to church at, man? And they say, I don't go to church. I stopped going a long time ago. I had this hurt or I had this thing that happened. And I'm not, I'm not saying that church hurt doesn't happen or that people haven't gone through some things that are very traumatic in their life. But the true believer seeks fellowship with other believers. Amen. Amen. There's a period of time when you're living in sin. I can understand. Uh, and, you're, and you're falling down and you're stumbling and you're, and you're in gross habitual sin that you might run away in, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, in shame and in pride and hide. But you're going to come back. You're going to come back. You're going to want fellowship. The Holy Spirit that lives inside, yeah. she's going to long for more Holy Spirit power. Amen ministry of the holy spirit brings desire those of us who are truly and filled with the holy spirit will feel like we are empty and sinning when we are apart from the fellowship of other brothers and sisters in christ amen Amen. you got me and my wife went on a trip to arizona and uh we were on vacation for a good while about 10 days and we weren't with our brothers and our sisters we weren't planting churches we weren't with rick and sherry we weren't putting tile down in this church we weren't Prepping for a sermon. We weren't doing a lot of things. And I felt miserable. I felt terrible. I wanted to be with you guys on Wednesday. I wanted to be with you guys on Sunday night. I wanted to be with you on Sunday morning. I wanted to be there with you guys on Saturday night. I wanted our house to be open on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. For the church and for the believers to come. And let's break bread together in fellowship. Amen. I don't ever want to stop. I want it every single night of the week and every single day. finally get to do something that i love i finally get to do something that i love i chased a lot of jobs how many jobs i have last year babe a lot four jobs in one year i hated them except for working with jesse that was it man i would i'd be under uh, this is totally sidetracked but it's okay i'm gonna lighten it up so i'd be under my hood welding at a shop and i would flip my hood down and i'd be there for hours in this dark space with my own thoughts listening to some music in one ear and headphone i ain't got nobody to talk to I knew I wasn't supposed to be doing this, wasting my life away 40, 50 hours a week. I'm not saying that God hasn't called some people to a vocation to work your hours there and take your mission field there. I understand, but I knew I wasn't supposed to be doing that, and I was unhappy. I would call Rick, and I would say, I ain't supposed to be here. I ain't supposed to be doing that. He said, I've had the same struggle. You just hold on. You'll be there soon, and then you're going to be wishing that you went back. You know, That's, I don't think I would ever take it back. I'll let you know in seven years. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit will call us to a local church to use the giftings that he has given us to edify uh, one another and to glorify God. The Holy Spirit causes us to continue within the fellowship of true believers. The key word in there would have continued with us, continued, holding fast to the true confession of faith. So now that we've covered that. Let's, let's look at the anointing of the Holy Spirit or the anointing of the Holy Spirit detects lies. Look at verse 20 and 21 with me. Would you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things? I'm not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. A ministry of the Holy Spirit in this way also brings us to the seventh test in the book of 1 John, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. This is the seventh test. We've covered uh, test one through six so far. This is number seven. Or this is Yeah, the perseverance of the saints was number six, and then number seven is uh, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The true believer can and should be marked by the precious atoning of the Holy Spirit that covers them. In the Old Testament, kings and priests and prophets were anointed with oil that was carefully blended with spices, symbolizing that God's presence was with them and his favor was upon them. It symbolized the divine election of God on the part of the anointed. It symbolized that the Holy Spirit was on them, and they, therefore, would lead in that power. Is there any more of a greater mark of genuine Christianity than the believer being anointed by the Holy Spirit? Much like the fragrance oil that was poured over the head of the kings, the priests, or the prophets, we as genuine believers have the Holy Spirit poured over us in such a way that it's distinguishable in our life. We smell, we radiate, we sound, and we minister like the Holy Spirit, simply because it's His power working in and through us. So John MacArthur said uh, that this anointing comes with a built-in lie detector. And I agree. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, he testifies with us what we take in. And when we hear a false word from someone concerning God, we instinctively know that this isn't right. You ever heard anybody say, well, it says in the Bible, X, Y, and Z, and you're like, hmm, it does not say that in the Bible. You have this built-in lie detector. When we hear the truth being proclaimed, we know, and then we amen and agree. Right? Amen. 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 The proof is in this. The spirit of the Antichrist agrees to the teaching that is false, led by yet another spirit of Antichrist. While on the other hand, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, testifies in our most intervened that we know the truth. Not only does the Holy Spirit detect lies, but it also teaches us truth. The next ministry of the Holy Spirit is this, the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 27. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing uh, teaches you concerning all things, and it is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. So we must approach this verse with a whole lot of caution, though, because we absolutely cannot take this verse and run with it, saying that we need no one to disciple us, that we don't need to seek deeper education through small groups, Bible studies, or even schooling. What this? What, so what is the context here? The context is false teachers, right? So remember that. Keep that nugget. John is saying to his flock, you need no one to teach you that is not led by the Spirit. Now, think about it. Why would God give us Spirit-led teachers and preachers if he did not intend for us to learn from them? Right? So don't take this verse and run with it. I need nobody to teach me. I don't need you. Don't even go to that level. Come on, guys. The thing is... Uh, The teachers and the preachers that we ought to be learning from rely not on human wisdom, but on the Holy Spirit of God who empowers them and reveals to them the truth. Teachers and preachers are only a pipe that water runs through from point A, being God, to point B, being the hearer. That's all we are. We're conduit. The only problem is sometimes teachers and preachers are getting their water from the source of the devil. And act only as a pipe of the Antichrist. And so these, my friends, are the teachers we need not to teach us. So don't learn from Joel Olstein or T.D. Jakes or from Kenneth Copeland or these false teachers. Figure out where they're getting their source from or where their source is and get it there. If it comes from here and it comes from this and it's super solid, you take it and you, and you listen and, and you feed from it. Allow it to nourish you. But if it comes from anything else, their opinion, the world, it's coming from the devil. And stay free of it. It says that I moved my movement goal today, so. I know we're long, but we're getting through it tonight, okay, guys? We're almost done, so lean in and pay attention. Uh, Also, let us not rely solely on the preaching and teaching of the Word of God, okay? So this should not be, today should not be the only day that your Bible's open. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. I'm not saying we'll do it perfectly and read this thing every single day, but you should not rely on Rick and I to teach you the Word of God every single week and allow it to fill you up from Sunday to Sunday, right? You should read this sucker every day. Read it as much as you can, as often as you can. Study it and grow. Remember that that old children's song, uh, read your Bible, you will grow, 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 neglect your Bible and you will shrink, 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 right? So what do you... Allow the anointing of the Holy Spirit to teach you from Sunday to Sunday. He's the best teacher that will guide you in this. Before I got saved, this was like reading a Chinese phone book upside down in the dark. I could not understand it. But the moment that the Holy Spirit came into my life and set me free from my sin, it was right side up. The light were on, it was in plain English like a little children's book. And I understood for the first time in my life what Jesus came to do and who I was as a sinner. He's the best teacher. He's the best preacher. If he truly lives in you, you will have the best defense system in the universe, the wisest teacher, and the most enduring strength imaginable. Number four, last point, the last hour, the return of Christ. Look at verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. So this is our hope in these last days that we live in. We cry, Maranatha. Oh, come, Lord, come. Split the sky, roll back the sky like a scroll and come and rescue your church. Come, Lord, now, Maranatha is what that means. Rescue your church. It's very possible that in the days that we're living in, the Lord will return. It's very possible. There will, be a, there will come a time during these last days that Christ shall appear in the air, raising those who sleep in Christ first and then in the twinkling of the eye. Us who are alive and in Christ will be changed and called up yonder to meet the Lord in the air. Amen. Amen. First Thessalonians four thirteen through 18. I'll back it up with scripture. What I believe, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, Least you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will, will uh, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means perceive those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then He, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Although we know not the time or the seasons that will pass between the rapture of the true church and the great tribulation, we do know that his promise is certain. Christ is coming back. He will annihilate with his breath the Antichrist. He will establish a throne here on earth. He will rule and reign for 1,000 years. He will battle one last battle between Satan and his allies, and he will crush the enemy once and for all under his foot. Casting him into the lake of fire reserved, for, reserved exclusively for the devil and his demons. We know with certainty that there will be a great white throne judgment where all those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life will be cast into the lake of fire along with death and Hades. We then will cry agreeing with the prophet, Oh death, where is your sting? Amen. No more death, no more crying, no more tears, no more heartache, no more ailments. Revelation twenty eleven through fifteen. I'm hurrying, guys. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his work. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Look again at what John writes. Abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Abide in him. Abide. Abide we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming how do we abide in christ i'm tired of preachers saying abide in christ walk in the spirit and they never tell you how to do that think back at the previous tests of first john that we've gone through already okay we abide by confessing the true christ until he comes we abide by confessing our sins until he comes we abide by conf- uh, we abide in our obedience to the commands of god until he comes We abide in love to God and to our neighbors until he comes. We abide in our lack of conformity to the world until he comes. We abide in perseverance until he comes. We abide in the anointing of the Holy Spirit and truth until he comes. We abide in prayer, studying, and fasting, and serving, and loving, and in holiness that we may not shrink back when Jesus returns. Where's Jesus going to find you today if he came back? Is he going to find you looking at pornography? Is he going to find you drinking beer and getting drunk at the bar? Is he going to find you using dope, sleeping with somebody that's not your spouse, married? Where's he going to find you? If he came back today, would you be ashamed of your walk in Christ? Where would he find you? Hold on with me now. We're closing, okay? I'm landing this plane. And I'm sorry it's the longest sermon I've ever preached, but it was well worth it, I hope. Uh, uh, as we conclude, look with me at verse 25. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. Mike A. used to tell me this, take a promise and put it in your pocket. When, your time, when, you, when life gets hard that day, you pull that sucker out and you read it. You've got a promise in your pocket. I would call him complaining and grumbling, my life sucks today, Mike. And he would say, you've got a promise in your pocket? I don't have a promise in my pocket. No wonder your life sucks, is what he would tell me. But that's just good old friendship, you know. So our God, the only God, keeps his promises. God is a promise keeper. He's a way maker and a miracle worker. Amen? Amen. He's not slack concerning his promises. There awaits a certain time that he has chosen when the fullness of those who believe has been completed, that he will bring this present world to a fiery end and usher in all things new. God has promised eternal life to those who by faith believe in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that was made to atone for our sins. He has promised that the believer will not perish, but enjoy a life of eternal worship ever before him. I can only imagine. We also know that God has promised eternal damnation to those who refuse Christ, to those who in the spirit of the Antichrist reject his son, who walk in um, contradiction to his ways. So where will you be? Where are you now? So look at verse 29. If you know that he is righteous... You know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. So is your life marked by the righteousness of Christ who died for your sins? Is your life marked by the righteous living brought out through the Holy Spirit? Is your life marked by the calling of our Father unto salvation? Or is your life marked by the spirit of the Antichrist? Do you revel against Christ? Do you, does your actions show that you're against Christ? What's your life marked by, guys? Here's the thing. We've all been led by the spirit of the Antichrist. Formerly. Because what's the Bible say? We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned greatly. We all need a Savior daily. Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. He came into this world and he lived a perfect, sinless life. He was tortured at the hands of evil men. He was hung on a cross. He bled for the sins of you and I. He died on that cross. You know what the greatest thing was? He didn't stay dead, okay? They buried him in a tomb, but after three days he rose again. He ascended to the right hand of the Father and he's coming back just in the same fashion that we talked about tonight. He's going to rescue his church. He will set up a millennial reign and he will reign again and all things will be new. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. Verse 23 says, whoever denies a son does not have the father either. He who acknowledges the son has the father also. So will you deny the son? Are you denying the son? When the role is called up yonder, where will you be found? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you so much for your mercy. We thank you, God, that your promises will never, ever fail. That your word will never return to you void. You are a promise keeper, a way maker, a miracle worker. And we pray right now in this place that you would make a way for somebody to be saved in here tonight, for somebody to repent of the life that they've been living in. Father, we just pray for your Holy Spirit to move in this place in a mighty way. And God, we, we, we cry this, Maranatha, even so come, Lord, please come. We love you, Lord, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name, amen. amen. amen.